was on WebEx last week. I've kind of laid a couple of teachings out for everybody uh, last Wednesday, a week ago, and then last Sunday, uh, laid out some things about what the Lord was doing. And what the thing I've noticed, which is so great, and I keep mentioning this because it's very important. Something I have noticed in myself and I try to relate to the church is the pattern that God is doing. God is not someone who doesn't finish what he started. And so I noticed when God sets a word out there, isn't it interesting? You watch the Bible in the Old Testament. He'll put a word out there in the Old Testament and then he'll revisit it again in the Old Testament revisit it again however many times he chooses but then he'll also in the new he'll come and revisit it again and when he visits it in the new he changes it from the old perception to a new perception and now the awareness of that word is now resurrected so it's really cool and, and what i watch is god has visited words that he started in this church years ago and has continued to visit them, visit them, visit them. And even now today, he is continually visiting what he started. So God lives by his own principle, Marvin, that if I start something, I'll finish it. Because you know the verse, right? He that has begun a good work, he'll finish it, won't he? And so really the, the key is to understand that when God starts a word, he plans on finishing it in your life. He's not going to let it fail. And so if we have that saying in our heart, it will never fail. God starts it. God finishes it. It's a promise. And so we know that God makes promises he can't lie can he so if god cannot lie and he makes a promise what's going to happen with that promise it's going to come to pass is that true now do you believe that way so if you believe that way then that means that a month after god speaks it what do you need to remember i have a promise that god's going to finish but sometimes we forget, don't we? Sometimes we forget along the journey. Well, one thing I've noticed, and I stay very diligent in doing, is allowing God to remind me all the time. I mean, remind me of everything you've ever said. Because I believe that if, if the Holy Ghost is a spirit that comes to remind us, and you have the Holy Ghost, what do you stay in? Remembrance. And if you stay in remembrance and I stay in remembrance, what does the body then do? We continue to walk in the word that God gave us until it's finished. And I'll tell you, that's exciting, man. So I, I live and look for the remembrance of what God has started. And so don't forget, and I do remember in the early days that when God would come and talk to me, I thought that God was giving me a word. And then, and then the next time he visited me, well, that's something different. So you kind of move past that word of God and you move into something different. And then you move into something different as time goes on. 
Well, it was a great day in my life when I realized they were all joined together. And God started something, and I thought he was doing something different, and yet he was joining them all together. They just seemed like they were different. Well, now, when we look back on what God has done, if I take all the preaching that has been done in this church, God started a word, and he is finishing it. And the, the cool part is God knows how to do it on different levels. Let's say, for example, say one person has an understanding of the heavens and God doing a work in the heavens. Another person may have the understanding of God doing it in the earth, a spiritual place of the earth. And then another person may have a thought of them doing just something doing physically as if the parable would work physically, right? No matter which place of mindset that you are in that, could it all still be working in agreement to bring it all together? It should be. And it is. So no matter what, as long as we have people that can hear from God and guide the whole thing, doesn't matter where your perception's at in it, it matters that you join yourself and grow with us all. That's the key, is you stay close and join. And so we go together. And was that God's intent when he called Israel? To join them together and said, come, let's go. Who did he talk to in there? It was Moses, wasn't it? Did Moses want to forsake Israel and leave them behind? And say, well, God's talking to me. I get to go to the mountain. Sorry, guys. You don't get to hear anything God said. That's just for me. He didn't do that, did he? You know what he said? Let me tell you what God said. And so that's what we do. And I noticed something here. The reason why that when we come back from Boise and this word of God that happened in the elders' wives has been such a big deal and I have continued to make it a big deal. You know why? Because there's, there's things happening on every level. I mean every level. And so it depends on what level you can see it on. For some people, it's about the physical joining of a wife to their husband. In other people's minds, it's beginning to be about the church joining themselves to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? But then there's this other perception that I'm going to hit on a little bit today. And it's about what takes place in the heavens when the marriage of the Lamb comes. Well, I want to hit on that in a minute, but I want to read something, Bruce. In Ephesians chapter 5, you can get over there. It's a familiar scripture, and we've actually hit on it off and on, but I actually want to take you through it for a moment, and I want to show you some very important things. How many remember last week I talked about how that God was joining his church to him. And, and I reminded you of where God had led us in even the preaching of the church, building the church, establishing the church. When you look at what happened in a parable, do you see when Anne gets up here and testifies of her joining with Rick, can you see past a physical elder's wife and see a, the spirit of it? 
Can you see a church joining herself to the Lord? Can you see that? Can you see the inward work of Christ working in you now as an example here to join ourselves to the Lord? Are we seeing that? Let's read in verse 20. Actually, yeah, verse 20. Wave at me when you got it, Don. Give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Notice that part right there. Submitting yourselves one to another. Now that's interesting that he said that going into the next verse. Submitting one to another. Next verse says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now he just told us that it's not only the wives submitting to the husbands. In the verse before, what did he say? Submit yourselves one to another. It's just that the role of the wife, he's going he's to show something a little different than the husband. That's, that's the difference of the church and Jesus. And he's going to teach us that. And both are a submission, which is really awesome. Do you think Jesus has to submit to the church? What do you think? Have you ever looked at it that way? But he does. He does. Now there's a cleanness about it though. And what we're going to learn is his submission is laying his life down for the church. Do you think that's submitting to? Because if there's a need in the church and the Lord lays down his life, is he submitting to the church? He's submitting his life to the church to lay it down. Isn't that awesome? So there's, it's not one-sided is what I'm saying. Even in the parable of husband and wife, it's not one-sided. There's submission on both sides. And, it, and so we read that wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. You have to see it as the wife submitting to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Now, if you try to just make this all physical, it's going to be hard to work, isn't it? Because let's face it, how many men are saviors to their wives physically? How many wives are submitting to their husbands physically in this nature? You, you've got to look spiritual here, okay? And then do your best to bring that conscience into, into your life. Let's keep going. We'll get back to that. Okay, I'm on 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now he's talking to us. Notice he's, he's pointing out the church here. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Who cleanses the church? Who washes the church? That's Jesus. Now watch the parable here, okay? 
even as a pastor, I have an obligation to do my best to do this right here, the work of Jesus. To wash the church, to cleanse the church, to do what? To make her ready. We have that. We have that. It's, it's not a burden, but a burden would be a prophecy. We have that burden or that prophecy or that expectation of God to wash the church. So is there an expectation of the church to submit to the washing and the cleansing? <laughs> that is amazing, man. I mean, really, these are stuff we've heard for a long time. But when you really sort these things out and look at them within you, where do you fit in this parable? And we say, my wife comes back and she shows a good example of, of submitting to me. And I show a good example of laying my life down for her. How I'm going to lay my life down is always, always, always give her a word of God. That she always has a word of God. And in the parable, she's going to submit to that word of God and live free in the spirit as one with me. Now that is really cool. And I'll tell you what, my wife and I, we get along great. I don't remember the last time we had a fight. And if we do, she wins. I'll try to make sure of that. But we just don't. The point is, when you incorporate the Lord into your, your home in any parable, it's just better, isn't it? It's just better. It doesn't matter. Husband and wife, son and daughter, you know, mother and son, uh, think, you know, father and, and children. It, it doesn't matter. Brother and sister, you incorporate the Lord, you're going to get a great parable. And we do our best. But as the church, I've noticed our church has changed in the last two years. That's simply because we followed the Lord. And we just did what the Lord did. And you know what? You're, you're coming forth as a parable of the church to love your husband and be cleansed. That is an awesome parable. And I love watching it. I love being a part of it. Man, it's so cool. And so we, we keep reading here, real quick here, verse 27, that he might, the husband, might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. Now what is the Lord talking about here? Paul is addressing this. Is it something that the Lord brings into himself? Remember the words that he said. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and read it right now. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Is that awesome? Back to that thought. Notice how he said, 
The wife joins herself to the husband. They become one flesh. The church joins herself to Christ, one body, one flesh. So imagine all of this coming into the Lord as one body. And then when you look at the church in the earth, you see church and you see the Lord. Paul was a good example of that. But the goal is in the spirit. He also says in 1 Corinthians 6, Brad, that if you join yourself to the body of Christ, you are one spirit. So how's it possible? How could you join yourself to me in the physical flesh? How do you do it? You are one. You do it by the spirit, Brad. And why you would fail is if we try to do it by the flesh. Now remember Adam and Eve. When when they were separated, I say divided, when woman came out of man... And the Lord said, now, or Adam said, you're bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. We're one now. We're one now. But what happened after that? What happened to Adam and Eve after that? Were they really one flesh? Or did they get separated? And Eve got drawn away. Could they, were they separated? Now what happens See, when the wrong spirit comes in, what happens to the church with the husband? Separated. So what's the Lord coming and doing? I'll tell you what the Lord has done here in our church. He has restored Adam and Eve as Jesus Christ in the church. And I've said that over and over, right? The last few weeks. The parable that's taken place in front of our eyes has established the timing of that. And one day we may see the parable of an apostle. One day we may see a parable of an apostle in our church uh, or a prophet or evangelist. But another time we might see the parable of a husband and wife. One time we might see the parable of a sister and a brother. We might see the parable of two brothers that even have division. We might see all of these parables. So there's timings on all these things. The key for us is not to miss the visitation when it comes. What is the visitation right now? Husband and wife. Jesus and the church. (laughs) That's awesome, man. We do not want to miss it. And Paul, he goes on and talks about something and uh, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Do a little extra reading this, for, th- this morning for you. I want to read something to you and then I want to wrap up something in the book of Revelation because I said I was going to get there about the heavenly. Because I want to say something that this is where we're heading. This is what's happening in the spirit world. But right now in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... Verse, verse 1. Are we there? Verse 1. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband. 
that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. What does that mean? What's a chaste virgin? Clean, pure, right on. So I want to present you to the Lord, to your husband as clean and pure. Okay? Now, think of that. Think of that. Where do you think the tradition of a white dress came from? It, there, there was a time where there was an idea where the thought of a white dress meant this right here. There's an idea in the spirit that when the woman of God comes forth before the Lord, all of the past sins are washed away. This can be done spiritually. And so when you, when you look at what Paul is saying, I want to present you before the Lord as pure. And the fine linen and the white dress represents the righteousness of the saints, which is found out later in another chapter. But notice something here. What is Paul's desire? And notice how he said, bear with me in my folly, because he's going after something here. He say, he's about to say, I want to present you as Christ, but verse 3, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice what Paul is very protective right now. Because he said, you see what happened to Adam and Eve, don't you? You see how the serpent came in and divided husband and wife. You see that? And then he goes on to talk about, for he that comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with them. I'll stop right there. There's something interesting going on here with Paul. Paul is jealous. You know what he's jealous over? His church. His church. Did you know in 1 Corinthians uh, 4, matter of fact, pull it up there, Bruce, 1 Corinthians 4, 15. Did you know that Paul talks about him being the father of the church? He's the father of the bride. Paul, got it? Well, I better get over there then. Let me just read it. 1 Corinthians 4.15 For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. He is saying, I have begotten you. There are not many fathers. There are not many fathers. There's many instructors. But Paul said, I have begotten you and I want to present you to Christ as a chaste virgin, as a church that is holy unto the Lord. Isn't that awesome? Now, the magnitude of this teaching is one that should go deep into your heart to say, I'm that church. I have examples. I have watched 
These women come back and testify about how God has joined them. My own wife got up and testified about the spirit of Ruth and how the Lord has caused her to be faithful and join herself to a Redeemer who brought salvation to their home. Think of this. The parable is so profound we don't dare skip over the magnitude of what's taking place here. Nan testifying that God healed my land. Did you know that in the parable of Ruth, it's all about the, the restoring of the land, the purchasing of the land? There's a connection there, Anne, of what God took place in you and Naomi right there in that meeting. And yet it looks different. But yet it's all the same. The connection is there. And I look at all that and I go, I'm not passing by this. I'm going to come back and preach on it on one Sunday. That's it. Not, nope. We're going to have to talk about it. You know why? Because I've watched God set this up for years. And now that it's right here in front of us, I'm not passing over it. I'm going to rejoice in it. And then every one of us in our church to join ourselves to this vision and this story, it's powerful, man. It is powerful. And you notice, every one of you in the church are at totally different places. And it's amazing to watch that. And like I said, some of you may be in the idea of watching these ladies come back and testify. And so as a lady, as a physical lady, you may say, I want to be part of that. The next thought is that I'm not just part of that. I'm part of the church with Jesus. I've been begotten of a father. And listen, I make no slow motion about glorifying God as our father. But I know in this place, if there's anybody that's worked a parable of a father to us, it's been Rick. And he has begotten the word of God in this church and in this work. And boy, oh boy, am I going to honor that word. And we're going to walk in that word. And so I could only imagine the rejoicing, Rick, that goes on in your thoughts as you watch what's happening in this church. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? To, to sit there and watch God do all this thing that he promised for all these years. And to watch it start working in, a, in our members. <laughs> that is so cool. Because we're, we're becoming one body. Now there's something else I want to show you before we go. And I said I was going to read to you. So I want you to pull up Revelation 19. But I want you to hold off before you put it up there. Because I want to lay out the scenario. How many of you are really good at understanding the book of Revelation? <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, I'll let you do that. And I'll do it for you, I'm telling you, because God has talked to me about the book of Revelation, and, and I, I will not be shy about saying how many times God has visited me in dreams and visions about the book of Revelation. And I am happy about it, because the book of Revelation is awesome. In 
When God sets in order and begins to show all the wickedness that the devil and all the ones that work evil, he begins to judge every one of them in the book of Revelation. That's after he declared Jesus as the Christ, okay? Then he goes into like the courtroom and begins to open up the books and shows it all, right? Well, after he pours out all his plagues upon wickedness, he then goes after what I call the superpowers, of all evil. I call them superpowers because they're the heads of all the evil. The beast. The whole, uh, Babylon, the mother of harlots, right? The dragon, the devil, and these, the, the false prophet. These are the mega powers of evil. And the Lord, when he's done judging all of the wicked, he says, now it's time to go after the, the superpowers of evil. So he goes in in chapter 17, he reveals the the mother of harlots riding the beast. Then in chapter 18, he shows Babylon. Now notice it's the woman I'm after here. He goes after Babylon and he destroys Babylon. I mean, fire, bam, in a day, your destruction. And all the merchants that have made so much profit off of Babylon are crying and weeping. And when the destruction of Babylon, which is the opposite of the New Jerusalem, the mother of harlots, the woman who is perverted, the strange woman, she is destroyed. And the the moment she is destroyed, all of heaven erupts. Now think about this. You got to ask, what is heaven waiting on? They're waiting on the destruction of the wrong woman. Because when she's destroyed, guess who gets to come forth? Who? The the new Jerusalem, the wife, the bride. And so I want to read this to you. So now that I've set it up, I want you to imagine all of heaven looking upon Babylon and going, I mean, rejoicing in such great joy that that false prophetess, that woman, who the Bible calls, some versions call prostitute, whore, a strange woman, you name it, the parable is definitely there. And all of heaven's looking at it, and let's start in verse 1. Okay, you can bring that up there in verse 1, you got it? And after these things, after the destruction of Babylon, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven (laughs) saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Now stop right there. Have you ever read that and been like, after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the lord you ever read it like that see you don't know what's going on you don't know you haven't been there to see that forget i was going to use the bears but i'll use another team that wins Think of a stadium that is rejoicing over their team that wins all the time. And it's nothing like that. 
it's way greater. That's my point. It, heaven has erupted and the glory of God and power and glory. Hallelujah. Salvation. Imagine the woman that has lorded over you and, and seduced and fornicated and caused you to fall. This is a bad, bad deal. I'll have to detail out the strange woman in another time. But imagine if God is setting up the bride of Christ as being the church, what would she be? Would she be the bride of the false church? The congregation of the dead? Some would say she's, she's the bride of Satan. Well, if Satan is the father of lies and she is married to him, think of Ahab and Jezebel. Was she a good seducer? She could even seduce Ahab. And you know who she killed? Now picture this. She killed the prophets of God. She killed the true witnesses. So imagine Babylon as a typology of one, a, a congregation of the dead who always is killing the word of the Lord. How would you like that destroyed in you? Now we're talking. See, that right there is when you see that has been destroyed in you, you go, praise God, and you leap and shout and rejoice in God that salvation has come. And you go, she has been thrown down like that devil, man. Well, the devil's going to get dealt with in a minute, right? Dave said it, it is. It's an example of speaking the same thing, one voice, one multitude, all with one rejoicing, one glory. I mean, I'm asked the question, what do you see God doing here in all of this? I'm reading it to you right now. Do I see this happening in heaven? Yes. Yes, it's happening in heaven. And some of you may not be there yet to see it. You may only be in the parable of the earth to see the joining of the church. What did I tell you earlier? Join because you're in the right parable. It doesn't matter to me at this point if all you saw was the parable of husband and wife, the parable of Jesus and the church. If that's all you could see right now and you couldn't see the mother of harlots burnt up with fire, if you can't vision that yet, don't worry about it. Stay in the parable of Jesus and the church and you know what will happen? God will show you the rest of it. <laughs> I love this, man. I could help get off verse 1. I, haven't, I got so much more to read. Isn't that awesome, Michelle? Didn't you say you were married to Jesus? I mean, as a church, we definitely are. You got a new husband? Is that what you said? Is it still true? Yeah? Yes. Amen. Oh, yeah, I got to have you say it. <laughs> Praise God, man. I got excited. Let's see, verse 2. 
Here they're still saying, for true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. You, you remember the, the souls under the altar saying, how long, Lord? How long do I have to watch this? Hang in there. Hang in there. Let me give you a robe. Let me make you in peace. Hang in there while the rest of those servants of God are killed by her. What? Well, that didn't sound right. Oh, yeah. Let's be clear about something. Could God ever judge evil if it never did evil? So what, does God allow evil to work on the righteous so that he can judge the evil? Hear me now. Because we go, well, I don't want evil to kill me. Think again. If you sacrifice your life, could God judge the evil and be done with? Are you as a church ready to lay down your life so that evil could be overcome? Oh my God. This is, this is stuff we never thought about. I'm telling you the secrets to eternal life and the kingdom of God. And so if you allow the Lord to do what he's doing in the church, we're going to get there. If we don't, what will we be? Israel again, circling in the wilderness. Because I told you one time, I told you, standing right here, this was probably a year ago, I said, we're going to make a choice right here, right now. Either we're going to be Israel circling in the wilderness, or we're going to be the new Israel, the church that goes forward into the spirit. Do you know what you guys chose? What'd you choose? New Israel? Hallelujah. And everybody that had to go, oh man, did I choose? Listen up closely. We're here. Come on in. We'll let you right on in. You know why? Because I don't want you to be like the five foolish versions that don't have oil. I want you to be like the five wise virgins that have oil. Oh, the parables go so good together, don't they? I got to finish, man. I'm running out of time. You guys getting hungry? You're so happy rejoicing over the fall of Babylon that you don't even think about food right now. Verse 3, and again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God and sat, that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And the voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and you that fear him, both small and great. Now I'm going to tell you, I want that voice to come into our church and I want us all to hear it. And when we do, you know what we're going to do? We're going to praise God. And I can get up here and I can say, hey, come on, somebody praise God. But you know what I've noticed? If I just keep doing what God said and guiding you, you're coming to it on your own. I'm not making you do anything. You're coming on your own. That's the exciting part. We're doing it out of love, Micah. Not out of being forced by a law. It's out of love. 
See, that love class comes into play here. It's the backbone of everything I'm doing. The Lord is doing. Where'd I leave off? So I'm on six. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the voice of many waters, as the voice of the mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. <laughs> and he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. My God, man. That is so awesome to me. Because what, you, you remember the parable in Matthew 22 about the, the, the father who calls, invites all his guests to his son's marriage? What do you think's happening right now? It's happening. This right here. Don't stand outside and be cast away. Hear the call. Come to the wedding. Because the, the Lord is doing such good things. And I'm telling you, when you begin to see in your life, some of you are going to go through things where you have to question whether or not Babylon has been destroyed. I get it. That's why I keep saying people are on different levels. No one in here should be condemned at where you are if you're serving God faithfully with your heart, man. Nobody. If you're continuing in the truth, then be free. And what happens? Every family has children, wife, husband, all play their part. You don't see a dad trying to act like their kid, do you? Well, I hope not. I mean, some men are accused of it. Some women have said, I'm raising three kids right now, and they only have two. The husband's the third one, right? We've heard those, those jokes and those things. Point is, in a true parable, you have a father and a mother and the children. And there's the parable. Kids, don't try to act like your father. And father, don't try to act like your kid. Husband, don't try to act like your wife. And wife, don't try to act like your husband. And so forth. Let the family come together. And my point is, in the church, there are many members, aren't there? So do we need the hand acting like the foot? No. Do you need the ear acting like the eye? Or do they work together? So wherever you are in the, in the parable and the, the calling of God right now in your understanding, walk in it with all your heart. Because you see what's happening, right? This what I read to you is the thing that God wants to reveal to us. He wants to reveal the throne room, the heavenlies. While we watch this parable come to pass right in front of our eyes, it's a glorious thing. But we got to think spiritual too, don't we? And if we think spiritual, God will get us there. The last thing I'm going to say about this today is 
All of these parables can take place within our hearts, within us, okay? The inward, the inward. I made it clear, and I want to say this again. How do we partake of one body? Is it by flesh? It's by spirit. So are you the children of Abraham? How's that possible? By the spirit, by faith, right? Are you one body with Jesus Christ? How is that possible? Talk to me, by the spirit. Are we one body here today? How? By the spirit. By the spirit. And so no one gets left out when the spirit is at work. Nobody. So children, husbands, wives, all of it. Nobody gets left out. God joins it all together. Brothers, sisters, (laughs) all of it. Call them what you want. Grandchildren, doesn't matter. Nobody gets left out. Now, isn't that glorious? I think that's glorious. So today, walk in that mindset because the Lord's been leading us all the way, all the way. And so if you stay humble and faithful, what was the first verse that I read here today was what? Do you remember? Submit yourselves one to another. Is that what we're all doing here? If you have a need, do I submit? Yeah. Do we let God fix it? Heal it? Restore it? Yeah. Well, I need you just like you need me. If we keep that in mind, we need Jesus just like he needs us. That's because we belong to him. He don't want to lose us. Let's stand up. I don't know if you're excited as I am, but some of this sometimes has to go in and absorb. I can tell all the time. Some of it has to absorb. So my goal today is to put the word of the Lord out to you so that it can go into your heart and then I can just watch it come to pass. That's what, I'm, that's what I expect. I expect that, Paula. You know why? Because God doesn't lie. He finishes his word. It's his promise. So if God ever made a promise, he's not going to lie. He'll see it through. Yeah, isn't that cool? Hey, even those that are put in the mindset of hell, you know what he'll do? He'll send someone to pluck them out. Ooh, that's cool. Ah, that's for another time. I told you I was going to preach on that. I am, I'm going to, I promise, but we got to follow the cloud for a moment. All right, if you want to join hands, let's pray again. Lord, I thank you for your word today. Your word is so good and so true. And I pray that you would work by the Spirit, even when we don't know what's going on, Lord. Work by your Spirit. Finish this work. Commit the promises that you've given us back unto yourself, and we will join you in it. Thank you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.